When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Another film study short, this one with Joshua Hoffman, who wants to talk about a problem that's been plaguing the, the uh, Ravens this year, namely the roughing the passer penalties. So, Joshua, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, and it's such a pleasure to be on with you, Ken. Thanks for, uh, thanks for saying so. Uh, where can people find you? How do you get, how'd you get interested in uh, this kind of analysis originally? Well, you can find me... Um... In Baltimore, I'm a lawyer practicing in the area. I'm on Twitter. My handle is Josh underscore E underscore Hoffman. 
My email is my full name, Joshua Elliot Hoffman at gmail.com. That's my personal email, not my work email. <laughs> um, I've been following you since I guess about 2010. And since then, it feels like a come a long way in understanding football. And I credit you and your work with really getting me to start watching, you know, the offensive line, the defensive line, everything besides the ball that I now watch. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, Joshua. It's always nice to hear. So you come from a very interesting background to be analyzing this. And I find it interesting. You bring up the, the legal profession and whatnot. But let's talk a little bit about the roughing the passer penalty and some of your observations about it and what you'd like to talk about. You know, it started for me. I haven't actually read the NFL rules, lawyer or no, until this year. Um, and it started because I've been watching with my wife since we met in about 2013. And last year, I would say, is the first year where she started really watching closely enough that it mattered. And she would ask questions, especially about penalties. And usually it would end up with me saying, well, honey, you know, it's like this. OK. And but this year with the roughing the passer, the penalties, the defenseless player, the receiver penalties um, and also pass interference, she would say something and I would get ready to explain it to her and I would be stuck saying, well, wait a minute. No, you're, you're right. That doesn't make any sense at all. Never mind. No explanations possible. So eventually I went to read the rules and I've been always um, one of the ones who screams at the TV in some only some people can tolerate watching the games. <laughs> I'm so, roughly familiar with that. Let me just say <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 rough to be around during the games. I've tried to lighten that up, but even at the even at the stadium, I'm rough to sit next to. But when I read the rules, I was like really feeling bad for the officials all of a sudden because these things are a doozy and and they're terrible. And I don't think um, I think as one of the fans who watched closely, like so many fans do, we think we know the rules, but I turns out I didn't know them. Not too uncommon. I mean, the rules, first of all, the rules themselves are enormous in nature and, and very complex. Uh, they, they have to handle all sorts of interactions between the 11 on 11 play, all kinds of formation legalities and and uh, whatnot in terms of substitution, since it's a free substitution game. So very, a, a very thorough set of rules. But let's stick to roughing the passer, because that's a that's a good one here. And I think like most fans. I un have an understanding of roughing the passer that has evolved by example over many years of, of watching football. We just talked about this before the show, but I think it's interesting that, you know, I know roughing the passer happens when you hit the quarterback in the head with your arm. I know it happens if you go to helmet to helmet on the quarterback. I know it happens if you spear the quarterback with your helmet. I know it happens now if you hit the quarterback too low. Um, I know it also happens if you hit the quarterback too late. And so all of those are a good example set that have built me this framework for what I understand to be rough in the passer. But what you've done is a little different. You've gone back to the rules and said, how does this really, how is this supposed to work from first principles? And I'm just going to let you explain that. Sure. And it's important to keep in mind, even though they're roughing the passer, the players in a defenseless posture also figures into this in a very um, seemingly organic way in the game. So you almost have to look at them together. But um, what, you're, what you think about the rule is exactly what I've always thought, that these things you've listed are exactly the things that are not allowed and everything else is allowed. Um, like the spearing rule, for example, there's some very fun language in the rule about how the, uh, def the defender tackling the quarterback has to be careful to make sure that they don't land on the quarterback with all of their weight or most of their weight and they have to strive not to land on them 
with all or most of their weight. All or most of their weight is mentioned twice in that same little section. But the big, the big thing that really jumped out at me was these list of rules that we just went through that we all think are the rules are actually more like in Pirates of the Caribbean, they would say, are, are guidelines. The rule actually says any physical act against a player who is in the passing posture and is in the referee's judgment has had an unwarranted amount of contact is, a, is to be flagged. And then the things that you just listed are all the principles the referee is supposed to be guided by. So when we see plays that don't seem to fit into any of the categories you mentioned, and they're still roughing the passer, and how can that be? It's because the rule says those are just specific examples. It could be really anything. And that's just, I don't know, quite a, quite the eye-opener for me. Not Not a useful rule set if that's the case. Authoritarian governments often have a lot of laws that don't get enforced, and then they do get enforced and people get upset about them. This, this is a... Uh, a specific case, obviously, where the Tyus Bowser quarterback hit in this last game, which was called roughing the passer, spoiled the shutout because it came on third down with an incomplete pass right. and and would have probably been, you know, the end of the game in terms of the Texans last chance to score. Uh, but it was called roughing the passer. And, and I, it does not fit any of the slots that I have built for what constitutes roughing the passer. In fact, it looks an awful lot like a bunch of other quarterback hits that are not roughing the passer or have not been called roughing the passer ever before. Yes, uh, the Bowser one is tough because when you have the the quarterback is considered a player in a defenseless posture when they're making a throw and up until they take that one step um, or during the one step after the throw, um, they're still defenseless. After that once, well, after that one step, they're no longer, well, there's two things about that. They're defenseless during the one step, and if they've taken that one step, then you're, you know, the ball is gone and you're not allowed to hit them. The rules also say the defender's responsible for knowing when the ball is gone. Um, the, the big provision about roughing the passer that says anything that seems unwarranted, we have these in law. Usually we call these like residuary clauses or catch-all <laughs> provisions, and Another funny phrase is this strict liability phrase. I know I mentioned that to you before, and it just staggers me that we have that in a professional sport. Um, and I can't help. I know we're talking about roughing the passer, but I cannot help but bring up the one that always drives me the most crazy, which is the wide receivers. You might remember a few years back, we would hear that phrase, the strike zone, like the defender has to aim for the strike zone and with the quarterback, same thing, meaning mm -hmm. don't go too high, don't go too low. And I th and they stopped saying that, but I thought that was the rule. Um, and then I would start to notice that, well, what if the defender, what if the quarterback, um, what if the wide receiver brings their helmet down when the defender is already aiming for that strike zone? What happens? And it used to just drive me crazy to no end. And, and darn if it doesn't say in the rules that, you know, it doesn't matter. Even if the receiver or quarterback is in the air, uh, crouching down, trying to protect themselves, it's going to be uh, roughing the you know defenseless player, roughing the quarterback, whatever it is that applies, and it's a standard of strict liability, which is interesting because that's an actual word we use in regular law, and it applies to people who are held liable for injuries, even though they didn't do anything wrong. Usually, if you know somebody's getting sued, it's because they were negligent. They, they were negligent. If it's um, auto accident, medical malpractice, all these things are negligent. Strict liability is reserved for those people doing inherently dangerous activities like working with explosives and stuff like that. 
So we have that here in the NFL, which to me seems antithetical to professional sports entirely. How can you have a penalty and just straight up say in the rules that even though you didn't do anything wrong, it still counts as a penalty? And that just drives me absolutely crazy. I saw a play this might have been two weeks ago. It wasn't in the Ravens game. But the defender was tackling the wide receiver when the ball got there. And he looked like he was about going for this guy's shins. And the receiver went low to protect himself and brought his head down to his shins. And it was helmet to helmet. And Gene Steratore was there to say, up, oh, that's the correct call. And it's just total madness that we've gotten to at this point. And it's the rules that are the problem, not the officials, it seems like to me. Well, it, it could be the officials. Now, remember, there's there's points of emphasis that are made. And there are way interpretations of the rules that I believe are also given to the officials to try and help them determine what is what. Uh, and I just, I, I don't think we're at a point where we have any kind of a clear definition of what a quarterback, uh, sorry, of what the difference is between a roughing the passer and a plain old quarterback hit. The Ravens now lead the NFL in quarterback hits with 10, Cleveland seconds with eight, Dallas third with five, sorry, with six. Nobody else has more than five. And the average team in the NFL has 2.97 this year. So the Ravens have gotten flagged a lot for it. Now, you could say, I expect them to be a little higher because they have more quarterback hits. But I just do not get what's going on. Well, I think the officials have always been harsh towards the Ravens. So if you want to go there, I'm all for it. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I, I, I don't. I really don't want to do that. That just sounds kind of whiny on our part. I, 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 they missed the call clearly on Bowser, but... Uh, you know, they miss a lot of calls, so I don't think they're being yeah. malicious about that. It's just that no, the, of course the, the preponderance this year is so great that, that I have to wonder, is there something systemic about the, that the Ravens don't really understand about the way the officials have been told to call games? It could be. Um, a lot of these calls are, I've had the same as you. I've had a hard time, and I'm reviewing them kind of like you are, but not as not as in-depth and not writing about them, but a lot of them I cannot fit into the categories either, and I'm therefore having to say that it's just the, the general catch-all beginning part of the rule that says anything that seems too rough. Um, like with Bowser, you know, he sort of hit his shoulder into the quarterback and knocked him to the ground. Um, if he had probably grabbed the quarterback around the waist at the last second to keep him from falling on the ground, probably not flagged because, you know, he's doing what the officials want to see. You mentioned the, the points of emphasis. There is a website, um, the same website where you can download a PDF of the NFL rules, and it tells you a few things about what's being emphasized this year. But it doesn't tell you everything that the officials are hearing. I'm quite sure about that. I don't know if they have big meetings every week or big you know, conference calls where Roger Goodell or somebody else gets on the phone and says, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, but that undoubtedly has a lot to do with what's going on. Um, why the Ravens seem to be getting them more than anybody else, I don't know. I feel like the Ravens are usually on top of things as an organization. And it may be that, you know, we it may be just related to the fact that the Ravens were leading in quarterback hits for so long, but far behind in sacks. I, I noticed that stat was popping up a lot. Mm -hmm. The Ravens were leading in quarterback hits, so the pass rush wasn't as bad as we thought. Um, maybe the team that's going to be leading in quarterback hits but not sacks is just going to get the most roughing the passer penalties just by virtue of the fact that they're getting the most hits with no ball in the quarterback's hands. It, it doesn't explain the difference. Quarterback hits minus sack would be a great place to start, uh, you know, in terms of that differential. But the Ravens have been have been 
been flagged for quarterback hits 4.27 times as often as they have been on average for the last four years. So there's something else going on here. Um, it's also a small sample size. But when you look at the whole league is getting three-tenths of a quarterback hit per game, and the Ravens are getting one quarterback hit per game, 1.0, in fact, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss in terms of, of how this is done. And then when you back that up with a play-by-play review of this and it doesn't look good, that's where, I, you know, we start to get upset about things. It's, it's, uh, it is what it is. It's obviously, the I won't say that the Ravens are being treated unfairly maliciously, but I think the way in which quarterback hits are being called is specifically negative for the way the Ravens play defense. Yeah, I I can't disagree with you about that. I mean, the Ravens have always had a sort of aggressive mentality on defense, or so we the fans are sort of like to think. At least I have always liked that style of Ravens defense. But like you say, it doesn't it doesn't fit within the rules. I don't know why it's happening. Do do you have a theory? No, I, I I really don't. Other than there's maybe some situational football going on where the the Ravens have led also for much of this season. Obviously, they have the you know the single highest scoring per drive offense of all time, and and that's led to a lot of leads. And perhaps the officials want to call a game tighter in terms of quarterback hits later on in a game that's one sided. That could be a reason for some additional, but it, I don't really believe it's any one factor. I think it's just uh, they basically are are running a very tight standard. For quarterback hits, um, it, there can be some of this is crew dependent because Belichick would always uh, look at the crew coming up, trying to see how how often they called every flag to try and give what advice he could to his players on that basis about what to ask for and what to what to try and watch out for. Um, I, I really I don't have the answer here. I, I I just don't. I don't think it can be any one factor. It's just a, enormously higher than expectation. And thank God for Carl Sheffer's crew. When we played the Patriots, I know we were all super yeah. worried about that game. That was one of the cleanest uh, called games we've ever seen, especially Ravens versus Patriots. Yeah, yeah that's that. I was I, I I really questioned after that game. It, Brady was hit ten times in the game with zero zero <laughs> flags, and I questioned how many times that's happened in Brady's entire career. He hasn't been hit ten times too many times. It's, yeah. it's probably you know a dozen times or something. And I bet. There have been a, a, court, a uh, rough the passer flag on probably over half of those. I, I think you, you get down to about one hand worth of times that might have happened career. I think you're right. And it's interesting you mentioned that in this sort of a blowout game, the officials are more likely to start calling it tight. We, I guess you probably talk to people as often as I do who think that the NFL is uh, rigged just a little bit, um, whether it's to you know, benefits certain franchises or just to keep the games interesting, especially the primetime games, the big market games. I don't know. I don't actually believe that, but it's getting harder and harder to argue with those people um, when you see the games the way they are now. I think I think there is a lot of situational football where flags become a lot less likely. So so, for instance, Officials don't really want to call the same pass interference standard when they when they know the game is on the line on the final drive. They prefer not to call pass interference, just keep the flags in their pocket. And teams kind of understand that, but the officials are highly incented to do it because they don't want to become the focus of what's going on. And I really believe that's what happened in the NFC Championship game, that, that the officials were so hell-bent on not being the first guy to pull the flag. And then the other thing you see, more than, more than I used to see when I watched football in the 70s and 80s is, the piling on nature of flags, which is a CYA mechanism to me for the for the officials. 
You get one flag thrown in for pass interference, and all of a sudden you see two more. So that's every official saying, yeah, I agree, I agree, I saw two, kind of thing. So, so all the officials are covered in terms of their, their, uh, their call on the play. Uh, is the combination of factors don't lead me to believe. But if I had to pick one overall thing that's, that's, that's making officiating look worse than it probably is, is that the technology we've got to examine games is just at a much higher level than anything we've introduced to the game to improve how calls are made, including review. Even even with review, it's it's not enough to make up for the changes in technology to look at all these different angles that we didn't have in 1972 when we were watching football. That's true, but it's it, it feels like it's gotten worse just in the last few years, doesn't it? Well, I think there's been a lot of technology added during those during those years. The uh, an example would be the the overhead behind the play camera, for example. Yeah. Being a being a, a recent thing, the first and ten line is a fairly recent thing. That only came in in 1998. The Ravens game was the first one was done in. So I mean, we've added lots of things to, to the NFL to to see these things. Uh, you mentioned the playoffs. I think that's another thing. We all know that there's a different standard for throwing flags in the playoffs, and to me, that stands out above everything else. Is just really bad, really hard for the officials, really unfair to the fans. It's like in baseball, you know, many people have made this comparison and every umpire might have a different strike zone, but as long as it stays consistent, it's okay. And then when we get to the playoffs, we all know that it's not consistent anymore. Is it any wonder that there's going to be disastrous calls in the playoffs when the entire thing that you're trained to do, you know, with the naked eye and the flat, you know, two seconds at the most, or else it's a late flag is now totally different because you've been told by the league, don't, don't interfere too much. I also think it's worth noting that the the you know famous illegal no or no call not illegal no call but the famous illegal play that happened in the Saints game got us doing replay review of pass interference which is hard to do um, and that's mm-hmm. really hard to go back and second guess the officials but everybody seems to forget I know you didn't forget in the AFC Championship game that the Patriots got a lot of help at the end of the game for one of those those I consider infamous plays where a defensive lineman sort of puts their arm up in the air to try and knock the ball down and then their arm just sort of harmlessly lands grazes the, the helmet <laughs> yeah just on the shoulder in that game actually it was just the shoulder brady got touched on the shoulder not the head and they got 15 yards wouldn't it have been nice to review that instead i mean that would be easy right <laughs> yeah. just didn't touch his head or not i mean I, I i think it would be easy i mean i, I want to bring up two things in sports and we have to cut this off sorry, joshua it, it, uh, sorry to say but the first is in is in baseball where it's the ultimate nightmare for umpires to have ball strike electronic surveillance so good and yet still be relying on their eyes and then you have to come up with the percentage of of missed strikes missed balls all those things i mean all that statistically is out there now because baseball counts everything you know? sure. And the other the other sport that's ahead of the others in terms of really doing it is not a sport that's known to U.S. people, but cricket in the U.K. and other parts of the world uses the most unbelievably advanced technology, technological review system you'll ever imagine. Also, all sorts of heat maps. And not only do they have to judge, uh, you know, oftentimes by heat or whatnot, whether the ball struck the batsman before it, it, it did something else. But they also have to project the flight of the ball beyond the batsman to determine if it would have hit in the wicket and put the batsman out. And 
the, the technology involved is just incredible. And their review system is, is extremely um, sensitive to this. And obviously, you know, cricket is a game where you only have, you know, depending on how you play the game in a, in a test match, you might you only have nine outs to do. So every out is, is enormous. And, and, you know, these reviews for individual outs are, are just huge in the game. So I, I think the NFL could do way more to bring in those elements of technology. They haven't obviously done it so far. Uh, but anyway, Joshua, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show. I, this is this is a great discussion about penalties in general, about uh, you know points of emphasis, and just about a legalistic review of this that goes back to first principles and the rules. And I really appreciate a different perspective on this uh, it, to talk through this. And I wonder, I, sometimes you really wonder, so people like Steratore and Blandino and those guys who do the who do the um, uh, review of the rules if they might have a legal background themselves. I really don't know. Do you happen to? I don't. I know that a bunch of the officials, because they're part-time, I've noticed that a fair few of them are lawyers, um, but not all of them. Um, mm. But yeah, some of, some of the officials are lawyers. I, lawyers. I don't know about those two in particular. The two seem to match up fairly well, though. You know, you've got, uh, you know, a call. Like I've even had judges in court say, I'm kind of like an umpire. I call the balls and the strikes, you know, whether it's an objection to the question or something like that. So the two definitely seem to overlap. All right. Well, Josh, thanks. Thanks for being on with us again. Tell them uh, your Twitter handle, maybe so people can contact you if they had a question about the episode. Of course, it's Josh underscore E underscore Hoffman, which is H-O-F-F-M-A-N. And Ken, thank you so much for having me on. It's really, really a great pleasure being a, a huge fan of yours for so long. It's great to meet you and talk to you and have this uh, very interesting discussion. So thank you again. Uh, always nice, Joshua. And other people out there, if you want to do a film study short, you have a question like, like Joshua did to, to talk through, uh, think of me as a radio talk show host who would love to get your call and, and put an episode on. This is going to be one of my primary methods of content, particularly in the off season. And uh, looking forward to your questions and, and inquiries. Take it easy, folks. study how was your guys weekends i guess uh there was plenty of football to watch we got to see the patriots continue to somehow win even though they don't score many points uh unfortunately but come on we've all been waiting for monday night football so i know you guys are like me you're driving to your work today or you're or you're trying to get your work done today but really what you're thinking about is tonight and kickoff and getting ready for the ravens so here's how the schedule for film study is going to go this week. Got a great short for you today where uh, Josh Hoffman is joining Ken McCusick to talk about kind of a different perspective on roughing the passer and how that how kind of different perspective on that rule. So that's very interesting conversation that I'm going to have for you in just a moment. Then tomorrow, Tuesday, we will have another film study short 
to give you something to listen to on Tuesday. And then Wednesday evening is when we will record both the offense and the defense breakdowns. I know that makes it tough for your commute because you are not going to have a commute on Thursday. Most of you would have Thanksgiving off. But hey, we're all going to need that escape to step away, take a break from the family, one earbud in at the Thanksgiving table, or uh, wait in line for Black Friday sales. I don't know. I imagine, The news tells me people still do it. I've never done that, so I don't know. But the news tells me that some of you are going to be out uh, early morning, Friday morning, waiting for stores to open, maybe even Thursday night. So we're going to have the offense and the defense breakdown coming out for you Thursday and Friday to get you through all that. So anyway, let's get to this short and Kim, let's get Kim McCusick on the line and Josh Hoffman as well. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk tomorrow. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.